think one of the big changes that we're going to see as it relates to, to again, that adoption of this, uh, this data-driven culture is, is how it becomes a C-level conversation now. Welcome to Active Energy, a podcast from Schneider Electric Energy and Sustainability Services. This is a show featuring conversations shaping the future of energy. In last year's research report survey, we discovered that 59% of companies do not have a global energy data management strategy. In a world that's becoming more and more digitized, the access to data is growing. And with growth in smart technology, you can pull energy data in ways that were previously not possible. But it is not simply enough to collect that data. It is important to have a strategy around how you will collect and use that data that your business is creating. Our director of software product management, Jessica Kipper, jumped on a phone call with Alistair McDougall, our commercial software product manager, to talk data and data strategy. So Jessica, in our last Energy Trends research report, we found that 59% of companies don't actually have a global energy data management strategy in place. What's going on here? Oh, I think there are a few factors that are really contributing to that. So, so one, I think about you know energy and sustainability data. It's really not been the highest priority, um, both from an accessibility perspective as well as the value that companies actually put on it historically. So, I think um, you know I think we're seeing a big change in that now, where both new technologies are enabling streamlined connect or collection of that, and it also um, it's also changing as far as the increased emphasis both on like external reporting, stakeholder pressures, target setting and goal tracking. Com- companies are really recognizing that they need to get their arms around this information to really support their strategic decision making. So I think I think that's one main factor. I think the second one is uh, technically it's it's not easy um, both from just uh, building an enterprise energy management pro- program or a uh, platform uh, just even from an IT perspective, it's not an easy task. Um, I've been a part of our journey for more than 15 years, and I've worked with hundreds of customers that have really been focused on moving out of spreadsheets and into a more digitized environment. Um, and even as we've expanded globally, we continue to you know get more um, get more of an understanding around the different requirements and the different technology infrastructure that it's required to make those things successful. So a lot of companies just, they don't have the expertise, they don't have the resources, they don't want the IT overhead um, to be able to, uh, to, be able to, to put that type of strategy in place. Um, and I think the other big contributing factor to that is organizationally, most of the firms are, are still siloed. Um, you've got efficiency teams that are on one step of their journey, procurement are on another, and sustainability are on a third. And they're, they're just now starting to see the benefits of collaborating and seeing how much overlap there is in, in kind of their, their data needs to, to really consolidate and streamline that process. And you know, all those things really lead us to the fact of, uh, and, and more of the explanation around how only 12% of data that is available is actually used. Yeah, that that's uh, that's another one of our favorite stats. We sort of like to to sort of band about and, and try and get our heads around. And to be honest, it it, it doesn't really surprise me. Uh, in my experience, a lot of companies have been sucked into thinking that 
just implementing a software or a technology solution will solve all of their problems. Uh, unfortunately for them, this is this is never the case. The, the need or the requirement is not to have a software or a technology solution in place. The need and the requirement is actually to facilitate and enable uh, decision-making and actions using using data. And it gets down to that point of uh, value. So, so value is only really delivered when, when something happens or, or something changes. And in today's market, many of the software solutions that are available, um, they, they can't automatically initiate action. They're not going to really do anything for you. Um, and even, even if they could, uh, a lot of companies, that, there's plenty of applications out there that can actually initiate and automate actions that we choose not to use uh, because people are still a little bit sensitive of having uh, systems that can control their assets assets or their facilities. So if we work at it in that way, alongside the software and the technology, we we still rely on humans. And for many firms, that was a missing element. That's what they missed. If you don't have people looking at the insights delivered by the software or the technology you're investing in, there will be no actions and therefore there will be no value uh, delivered. And I think the the importance of people sitting alongside technology, software, data, and analytics is really why many of the, the pure play SaaS vendors, so software as a service, energy and sustainability vendors that first launched solutions maybe around seven to 10 years ago when I was working as an analyst in the market have either gone out of business, been acquired by a services firm, or now rely heavily on partnerships with services firms to, to continue to try and grow and, and support their clients. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a great point. And I can't tell you how many conversations that we've had uh, that really work to make sure that we put a fine point on our strategy with respects to that. You know, we still believe that um, the, the majority of the, the market and the customers there need that human touch and that human element. And we've focused so much on our, of our software to really try to automate the things that, that don't require that to try to make this perfect marriage of software and services. You know, that being said, we still focus um, where we need to make the, the most investment to make it as self-service possible. Um, but this technology married with people is, is certainly uh, core to what we, be, we believe um, most customers need and are looking for today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think the, I think the other reason where that might support that sort of 12% of uh, only 12% of data being used is that many, many firms will venture into uh, this sort of task or initiative without actually putting a proper data strategy in place first. And without a, a data strategy sitting alongside any sort of technical solution you put in place, um, you really don't fully understand it. And with so much data available now, many firms have been in just such a rush to collect all of this data, they, they don't fully acknowledge everything that they're collecting. They're not 
they're not first of all looking at it and understanding why would I be collecting this so without full visibility over what you're collecting it's very difficult to connect the dots and see where there's potentially hidden value and we've we've got a lot of examples of that ourselves I mean resource advisor many of our clients rely on it for reporting on their cost and usage data uh, across a lot of different commodities in many countries around the world and in a lot of cases, that data is coming from invoices. Uh, what a lot of our clients don't realize is we're capturing every single line item on those invoices. So whilst uh, the headline numbers might be the cost and the usage numbers that go into your annual reporting or your quarterly reporting, there's so much more sat there within Resource Advisor that I, I don't believe many of our, our users or clients actually understand, acknowledge, or, or engage with. And you could do some really cool analysis on that, like looking at how much uh, taxis now contribute to your energy bill in different countries around the world as different legislation or sort of tax requirements come in. The, the data is there. You just need to appreciate and know where to find it and then go out and, and actually use it. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how much that stat changes with this continued explosion of data. Um, you know, can we continue to uh, to rein it in and create insights from it as it becomes more and more, um, uh, more and more available? And you know, there's just so much more of it. But I think one of the big changes that we're going to see as it relates to to again that adoption of this uh, this data driven culture is is how it becomes a C-level conversation now. Um, you're really seeing top-down pressure around that emphasis of being more data-driven and having uh, this data provide insights. Uh, you know, everybody wants to be data-driven, but only a fraction of those companies actually say that they've been successful in that journey. You know, so they know that they have all this value at their fingertips, but it's still so incredibly underutilized. Yeah, I, I think it's fascinating how, how open companies are being now about how they need to be data-driven. Um, and I think what we're, we're seeing here is, is firms starting to, to truly realize the disruptive power of data and how it can quickly transform firms or industries uh, sort of at a pace that has never happened in the past. And if you look at tech giants like Amazon, Google, Facebook, as well as some of the names such as Airbnb, Netflix, Uber, uh, not only have they built highly digital solutions and products, but they're actually embracing and implementing data and technology throughout their organizations. Uh, these firms have the sort of luxury that they were they were born in the world of, of data and technology. So they're looking to apply it uh, not just to their core business, but through their sales and marketing efforts, how they support their clients, how they build products, how they take services to market. And I think we're, we're going to continue to see firms in traditional sectors uh, push to do the same because they they realize that there's, there's great risk at not doing this. And it's... Um, it's not about uh, being a data company or not being a data company. It's really uh, taking a fresh look at your entire organization and trying to identify areas where energy can 
well, data and technology can help you improve aspects, energy and sustainability being one of them. And I mean, you only have to look at Google, for example, to see some of the efficiencies they're getting out of their data centers by applying uh, sort of big data techniques uh, on top of the data that they've got. So they're using that sort of wealth and knowledge that they have as a tech firm, but applying it to energy efficiency and driving some real significant benefits um, within their facilities. Well, and what an exciting time to be part of, uh, of this evolution of all of these new technologies around this big data analytics. I mean, you think about, um, you think about how we, we need to continue to start to be in, involved in these conversations and see new technologies and new techniques continue to emerge, whether it's, uh, whether it's machine learning, whether it's AI, whether it's any of the, any of the things that, uh, that have evolved in this data science world. All these new tools and new technologies are surely going to open a lot of doors um, for customers that, that really haven't been able to, uh, to um, adopt those strategies before. I think it's most important that they are continuing to look at themselves to say, how does this change my business? How can this provide value to me? How can this provide more insights into my data? And, and again, be, be part of that conversation, looking for ways to, to innovate, um, because standing still uh, really comes with a, a lot of risk. Um, a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of the culture also needs to be about trying things and also being okay to fail. You know, try some things and see what type of insights you can get. And if it doesn't work, try something else. So I think we're, we're going to see, you know, it's just an exciting time in the industry. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think, I think those are great points. And I think, again, when we go back to that, uh, that statement of being data-driven, uh, it's important and sort of advice we would give everyone is like, that doesn't mean that firms can should think about this of being on their own or they need to transform themselves into a data company and go out and hire a whole bunch of developers and data scientists to sort of sit around and on day one scratch their heads to really go does anybody know why we're all all sat in this room in in, in the middle of a manufacturing company um that's that's not the way to become data driven uh but really sort of realize that with technology there's this big massive ecosystem that's developing through firms that are building the data centers meaning you can host these super powerful applications to so the people designing um different bits of technology to allow you to better manage big data sets or visualize it so being part of the ecosystem will really sort of help you uh, accelerate your journey towards being able to more efficiently capture and manage this data. And it's actually interestingly, a lot of our clients are are now starting to ask us um, how we are adopting new technology and new techniques because they see Schneider Electric as being part of their data strategy, as being part of their data journey and then being data driven. So when we're applying um, sort of machine learning methods, et cetera, to their energy and sustainability data, it's only right that they, they also reference that internally. When when the CEO or, or someone else turns around and says, what are we doing when it comes to big data? Absolutely, they can point to their partners and say, well, our partners are, are applying these different methods and technologies, and that's how we're getting even further benefits um, and improvements. So yeah, again, I think it's um, sort of, Take a, take a look at it, don't be intimidated by it, and really start going out to the market asking some questions and, and really start to embrace it. 
So, so Alistair, if we could put our heads together and really try to come up with a, a more tangible, tactical list as far as what are our true best practices? I mean, what are, what are the things that, uh, that should be 100% top of mind in this, in this kind of changing environment? Yes, I think I think the number one and it will probably come as no surprise, but it's sometimes the element people forget most, and that is develop a strategy first and foremost. Um, and that's not develop a data management strategy first and foremost, because unless you are actually a data firm, your core business is not going to be around managing data. So look at your organization, look at your energy and sustainability strategy. If you don't have one, go and make one. Um, Look at the goals, look at what you're trying to achieve, and then try and understand what needs to be measured to help you understand your progress towards achieving those goals. What data do you need to be able to capture and where might you be able to capture it from? And what insights would you be hoping to get from that data? So. Again, whilst we're, we're full on for telling people just go out and do it, um, don't jump in two feet first with your eyes shut. Uh, definitely sort of get people around the room, understand what you're trying to achieve and use that as the, the first step in defining uh, what your data management strategy might look like. Yeah, so then I'd, I'd probably add to that, once you actually you know figured out what you needed, automate the collection of those assets or those pieces of data as much as possible, and then try to centralize it. Um, we've seen a lot of customers that have had um, a lot of success building kind of heroes. You know, as I talked about earlier, efficiencies on one journey, sustainability is on another, procurement might be on another. It just takes one hero to care the most, to centralize, to collect and centralize all of this information in one place to where they, um, you know, they truly become the hero for others in their organization to, to tap into that. Again, whether it's invoice data, whether it's interval data, projects, forecasts, um, try to put it all in one place uh, to where you're really trying to um, to try to be able to, to kind of democratize that process um, even further for out of you know across your organization. And I'd probably also add, um, think about the context to the data. So you know, as as you're you know as you talked earlier, as far as the the strategy around what pieces, also think about what other data elements could be applicable and could be um, beneficial to create those insights. And I'm thinking of things like. You know, do you need weather data? Do you need um, facility information? Do you need production information, um, scheduling, area or square footage? What are those metrics that can help um, provide more insights to that type of reporting that really add context to the data? Yeah, I, I think that's a massive point. I think the context is, is really important in the early stages when you might be speaking to new stakeholders that have maybe not looked at the energy or sustainability data. It really helps you put it in the, the context of your, your organization by using metrics like number of widgets, revenue, cost of goods sold, number of occupied beds, etc. And um, I think another element is is being intentional. I think your points around collection is if you build a KPI, it might be the most wonderful KPI in the world, but if it will take you uh, two weeks just to source that data and you want to try and report on it every week, you've set yourself up for disaster straight away. So just be very intentional that it's achievable in the first interest. And then once you start automating things, you'll have more and more time available to go out and and try and find those more uh, luxurious KPIs or metrics to track. I think 
our next top tip is as early as possible develop a baseline so as soon as you get a, a solid sort of set of data to give her try and put some analysis against it try and develop a baseline to help you and your organization understand where you are today um, this is really important again it, it provides some really solid value immediately by being able to provide an overall picture uh, I can't tell you how many clients that work with us and after the first sort of two to three months once we've done all the data history upload etc they're they're blown away by how nice it is just to have everything in one place i mean but we've not done anything to it yet but they can they can run a report across their entire organization for two years ago and, and see what they were doing um to develop that baseline and one of the most important reasons for that is you will want to be able to monitor performance. You'll want to be able to show that your investments, the time and the effort you're putting into this data strategy is being fruitful and, and delivering results. So this will become really important maybe in sort of 24 months, 36 months time when you have to go and uh, present back how it's, how it's helped the organization. You can compare back to the, the baseline and really show uh, the performance improvements you've been able to make. Yeah, so I think um, the other thing is kind of twofold. You you don't want to uh, you don't want to underestimate the need for data quality. So I think data quality is absolutely huge and paramount when you talk about the the automation. Um, and then that also comes with potentially resourcing people around uh, being able to dig more into the analytics. So you know, data on its own is completely useless. Uh, bad data is even more useless. But the the real value is in the people who try to make sense of this data and then find the, the patterns and, and generate the insights around it. So you know, when um, yeah, I was reading an article the other day and it, it talked about one of the biggest challenges for customers today. Um, you know, it just kind of had had them stack rank and, and list some of their pieces, but it was across the board data analytics, and then hands down followed by data expertise. And so, when we think about talent and we think about this gap in data literacy that organizations have, where people, you know, might not be as fluent or might not be able to have the skills to argue with it or to visualize it or use all these enhanced um, business intelligence tools that are available. Um, we've really got to, to make sure that we're enabling customers to be able to find those insights um, either you know through technology or, or make sure they're, they're staffed with talent around that because again you've got to do something with the data versus just serve it up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the, this, uh, the other sort of uh, another top tip would be take action and try and take action as quickly as possible. Uh, everybody loves a quick win. And when we were talking earlier in the conversation, we, we mentioned one of the biggest mistakes um, a lot of companies made is thinking that, well, we've got the solution in place now, let's, let's see the results. So that won't come, the, the people need to take action. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of firms can sometimes be put off by thinking that, oh, well, I'll need to get the data, then I'll need to figure out how I'm going to put a business case together, then I'll need to go and justify investment, and we don't have an energy efficiency fund, so we'll need to try and convince the company that we'll need to make that 
in instances, yes, that that will be true. Um, but there's a lot of quick, low-hanging fruit you can do as well in terms of behavioral improvements, just even engagement around the data. Get your company talking about the importance of energy and sustainability, using data to show that it's real and that you are actually taking positive steps. And I think a big element on this is uh, assigning responsibility and accountability. So that once you roll out a platform uh, like this, everyone understands their role in being able to look at that data and take action on that data. Because if you don't do that, um, I can sort of guarantee from experience, everybody will just respond by being, oh, this is this is a flashy new toy and I've got a new login. I've got a new password. Fantastic. Um, and then two weeks later, they 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 will stop using it because it wasn't their toy. They didn't understand what role they were to play in actually going in, using the data and leveraging the data. So yeah, ensure you get some actions, make it as easy as possible for people to take actions and, and ensure that they understand that they're responsible and, and held accountable for it. Yeah, well, and I think finally, it's this its this that it's a, a living and breathing thing. You know, you've got to constantly monitor it, you've got to constantly improve it. So, you know, it's not just a, you know, whether you put together a very structured data management plan and it's part of your process and part of your overall um, overall strategy, but it, it can't be something that you just uh, set it up and forget about it. It really needs to evolve over time and monitoring that, adjusting things for data quality, looking for ways for better automation and, and drilling into maybe even broader data sets uh, is, is, I think, also really key um, once you do, you know, stand up your, your first, you know, set of information and, and get your first set of results after taking action um, you know it really needs to be that that continuous process because it will obviously continue to evolve you know and I, I think back um, Alistair to that perspectives event that that we had and we hosted um, those customers talking about you know we were in hotel we were in manufacturing you know it was a broad um, a broad uh, audience as far as segments go and the most the biggest thing that they all provided as advice to each other around this topic was also just to get started you know whether it's um, you know whether it's small whether it's you know focusing on a win it's just not waiting um, to not have access or continuing to live in spreadsheets it's, it's get the conversation started with the right stakeholders to, to just move forward and I think that's you know that's obviously you can put it at the beginning or you can put it at the end but I think that's that's critical to, to everyone as well. Yeah, so so I guess uh, maybe the the first bit of advice would be if you're if you're not doing uh, something today or you think you could be doing more, have a think. What what's stopping you? What's holding you back? And uh, go and solve those problems first. And yeah, just just get going. Yeah. Well, great, Alistair. Thanks so much for spending the time. It was fun. No worries. Yeah, always good to chat with us. Thank you for listening to the Active Energy Podcast. We're thankful that you decided to spend some time with us. If you could leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening, be sure to share with your coworkers and like-minded people and give us a follow on social media. We're on Twitter at, at @schneideress, LinkedIn and Facebook. You can find us by searching Schneider ESS. We're also starting a LinkedIn group that is specifically for listeners of the podcast. It's a great place to interact with peers and to continue the conversation from each episode. And you can interact with the guests from each episode. Thank you for joining us. Until next time.